Drive It Up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,191. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today, I'm a, a bit across the country in Peekskill, New York, with a very special guest by the name of Bree Apatis. Bree, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yeah, let's punch it. Yeah, we'll have some fun. Lay down some stripes, as they say. But first, I want to ask you a question. I like to ask all my guests this question because it kind of brings out a unique part of people's lives. What's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Bree? You know, I think, you know, I, uh, I'm i sort of known for being a 3D printer guy and before that a video D- DIY kind of person. But before all that, I my first job out of college was in the film industry. And I ended up, after a few years, working for, I spent a while working for Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Oh, wow. Making animatronic puppets. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, mostly I just made tea for the right people and helped find <laughs> weird stuff. But I spent a bunch of time with all these crazy robots pushing, you know, rubber gorilla technology farther than it had ever gone before. Wow. Well, that's a unique start. And I also understand a little pre-show chat uh, we had that you did some podcasting way back when podcasting was like a a complete, what is that type of entity? Yeah, I am. Back in the day, I was a school teacher and I didn't make enough money to really have a decent car or have a family. So I was looking for side hustles and I ended up falling into this group of video bloggers back when podcasting had just started. So this is like 2005, 2006. And, you know, it was like Adam Curry and, and Steve Garfield and this crew of folks. And it was it was this time where there were like about 13 people. This is pre-YouTube. So there were like 13 people trying to figure out how to put video on the internet. And it was, uh, I was probably, I'm so I'm an early video blogger back in the day. Well, isn't it amazing how far things have come? I mean, it blows me away every day of what people are doing and I've always talked about this. I pretty much stop watching all television because you just go to YouTube and you yeah. can see so many cool things and creative content and products and ideas and world travel. I mean, it's just it's opened up the world of creativity for people. And I always say I have so many guests in the show and we may touch on this. Where have all the workers gone? Well, they're creating their own content. Yeah, it's funny. I It's, it's amazing how niche you can go. I just got interested in Mini Z remote control cars. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which are these, they're like, you know, six inches by three inch kind of small little remote control cars. Yeah. But there is a whole world, world. <laughs> a whole world of just this very niche type of remote control car. And I've just been like watching all these videos like crazy. Yeah, it's fun. It's really cool world. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. Great. Bree Pettis is the CEO of Phantom Tools, where they build desktop CNC machines with professional reliability and precision, supporting the world's changers and skill builders. Sounds like who we're talking to today, a changer and a skill builder. Phantom Tool machines are easy to set up, ready to use right out of the box and are safe and easy 
for the user to create all sorts of unique things. Bree had a long history in making things and inspiring others to make things as well. He was the co-founder and CEO of MakerBot, a global leader in 3D printing technology. He started the popular Weekend Projects video podcast for Make Magazine, teaching millions of viewers how to create things from pinhole cameras to bicycles to hovercrafts. And in 2015, he was a Henry Crown Fellow as part of the Aspen Global Leadership Network in 2012, he was honored as a Disruptive Innovative Award, or with a disruptive, he was an, a disruptor, uh, with a Disruptive Innovative Award for the Tribeca Film Festival. And he's a highly sought-after speaker who's been all over the cover of many, many magazines. We'll be back in just a moment to learn more about Bree, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little listen, and we'll be right back. Awesome. Covercraft offers you 10 different options. That's right, 10 for your special vehicle's protections. You can choose from WeatherShield HP, HD, Sunbrella, Ultratect, Reflect, FormFit, Custom View Shield, and their newest five-layer all-climate, three-layer moderate climate, and five-layer indoor options. All are custom-tailored by Covercraft's talented craftspeople just for you. It's the form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Surface protection is the best way to preserve the investment you've made in your vehicles. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. I have a Covercraft cover for every one of my vehicles, and I have a deal for you. If you use the code yeah 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Fall is here, and you know what that means. Time to put a good coat of protection on your vehicle. I'm teamed up with AutoGeek, and they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started back in 1997 as a small mail-order catalog company grew into a multi-website-based e-commerce store, and that's what they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries, and its retail sector ships worldwide. If you want to protect your vehicle this fall, and you should, go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and technical support. AutoGeek.net is where I go for my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. American Collectors Insurance is my go-to for classic car insurance. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 
224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Rains here at Cars. Yeah, American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Bree, we are back. So I want to talk about a bit of this rather unique life you've had. You mentioned you started off as a teacher making animatronic puppets and doing all sorts of things. But you become a bit of an innovator, a disruptor. And the CNC tool company, Bantam Tools, which we're going to dive in today, uh, is just an example of a guy who likes to go out and create things. But better yet enable other people to create things so give us a little bit more of a walk through your history because it sounds rather fascinating and we'll dive into bantam tools yeah i mean i'm i'm somebody who says says yes to things which means that all sorts of curveballs have come my way and i've gone down some some very windy paths right so i finished my college education i had some time before i graduated and i started making puppet shows and i had this fantasy of and I'd rebuilt the 1964 Dodge 440. So I, I had built this puppet theater that would go in the trunk. Of this, this was a boat of a car. It would, the, so a puppet theater that would go in the trunk. I was just about to leave for my Puppets Across America tour. And my aunt called me and was like, hey, your uncle is making a, a, a film I'm, and it involves puppets. And I, can, I, you know, I know you're into puppets, so I'm handing you over to him. And he offered me this job working on Pinocchio with Martin Lando and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And, and it was like, by the way, it's in Prague. Is that a problem? And I was like, no, that's not a problem. And I was really naive. I was like, you know, 22. So I was like, had to look up what country Prague yeah, was what's, in. Yeah, what's a Prague? <laughs> in, the, in the Czech Republic. Yeah. And I went and had a great time. And then from there, went to go and work for the Creature Shop. And then came back, started my own puppet theater. And that didn't, go, you know, I lived off like a couple thousand dollars a year for a few years, which you can do if you're willing to eat rice and beans for a long time. Sounds like a college lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then ended up was like, okay, I'm going to level up. I'm going to become a school teacher, which not exactly at the time school teachers started at like 25 K in Seattle, which is one of the, not a, not an awesome. Uh, right. Income level. Sure. Income level. But so I've always been sort of scrappy and trying to make things happen with nothing and ended up. One of my side hustles ended up being video blogging and ended up getting a job for Make Magazine where I made something every week and would make a video about it and a, and a PDF. And, you know, we had, you know, RSS 2.0 with enclosures back in the day with, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, we were mainly, mainly publishing on uh, Apple's iTunes app, which would automatically, you know, upload the stuff to your iPod and all that kind of stuff. So back in the early days of video blogging, video podcasting, and then, um, Ended up working for Etsy for about a year and sort of getting a feel for how startups work. Mm. I was at Etsy from about 15 people to about 60 people. Oh, wow. So I saw all the drama of a small, uh, a small aggressively growing, high-growth company from the inside. And I didn't really think much of it because I was just doing my job. But when I left that, it, was, it gave me the sort of like, I sort of knew a little bit about how things work from that and started MakerBot with some friends. And then next thing you know, like we started that as just like a side hustle, expecting it to be just a few hours of work week to, you know, selling 3D printers to super, you know, super obscure nerds like us. Uh-huh. And then the next thing you know, it took off and grew that company from three people, a laser cutter and a dream to, to 600 employees. And, what? what? And, 600? And, Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. We had half a million square feet of manufacturing space in, uh, wow. in Industry City. Man. You learned a lot. That is that is quite a ride. Yeah, never never a dull moment there. Had the full ride from like, you know, 
how to how to figure out how to grow a company to like in the end I sold my company to a big public company and had to go through the whole hassle of like SEC lawsuits and public company kind of stuff. So had the full startup ride. Wow. Amazing, you know, amazing career, but I'm not surprised given the little bit I've learned about you today and a guy who likes to make things happen and create. And that carries us forward to why we're together today because of Bantam Tools. And I want to start you talking about Bantam Tools, yeah. the name, because I like the the little backstory on the name. So Bantam Tools, you know, we make these, uh, you know, I love empowering people. I love giving people superhero, you know, superhero level powers and then just seeing what happens, right? Like that's the most exciting thing. You get that when you're a teacher because you get to unlock creative potential in your students. And then, you know, you get that when you make tools for people because they're going to use them to do things you can't imagine. So um, Bantam Tools, we take that, you know, something that's really, usually CNC machines are like 16,000 pounds. They're giant, they're hard to use, and they cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. So our machine is really small. Our new machine weighs 42 pounds, costs $4,000, and is easy to use. So that's, that's our jam. And so with Bantam Tools, it's named after the Bantam Rooster. And for folks who grew up on farms or who have experience with chickens, Bantam Roosters are little tiny, roost, little tiny chickens that are about half the size of a regular chicken. But... They have more, they have like five times as much energy. So they sometimes pack a you'll bunch. See, <laughs> yeah, so sometimes you'll see the big roosters come over and try and bully the small bantam, bantam rooster. And the bantam rooster will just like, pop, 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 And the, the big rooster's like, whoa, whoa, wasn't, ex- I'm backing off now. Yeah, what's with you, dude? <laughs> well, you know, this is a, a fun story. And so let's talk a little bit more about this machine. Because for, several years ago, I mean, the whole CNC thing, exploded and everybody was talking about them and you'd see things online videos you go oh wow that's cool i can make this i can make that and then you kind of heard it kind of seemed at least for me to kind of quiet down a little bit now i'm more familiar with the cnc machines from uh people making wheels and in big sure. car part these the big giant machines you're talking about that are very complex and i have friends who run uh, fabrication shops who bought their first cnc machines and just thought they were magic because they didn't yeah. have to get out and weld and cut do all this stuff anymore but they've become a, a huge integral part of a lot of manufacturing when you think about your machine though being small desktop easier to use who's using your tools your machine to create things and what kind of things are they creating so we basically have two two types of users, and the first ones are like the world changers, and they're mostly impatient engineers. They usually work at a company that makes stuff, and they're tired of waiting for other people to make parts for them. So they order a machine, and instead of having to wait six weeks for their part, they make it in one day. And then they, they can see the flaws, they can iterate, they can make it again, and they build better products. And, you know, it's all the world changers. So we're like Tesla... SpaceX, Northrop Grumman, all these kind of companies use our machines to prototype their parts. Now, our machine is good at making something really quickly in one day, but when you want to go into production, you usually need, you you want to get one of the more, the bigger machines because they're just optimized to just crank stuff out and right. do production. So we fit into that, that the, product, the sort of like building product space in the prototyping spot. The other customer is great because it's the skill builders. And that might be, you know, right now in our country, there's 800,000 manufacturing jobs that nobody will apply for. Yeah. And they're good, they're good paying jobs. They're interesting jobs for people who love to solve problems, right? Mm-hmm. So 
you know, we sell a lot to schools and it's a mix of trade schools and Ivy League colleges, basically. And they do the same thing with them. They teach the next, they teach the next generation how to have an idea and manifest it in metal. And it might be a professor, but it can also be in like a machine shop will sometimes get our machine to train up the next group of um, machinists so that they get started on our machine, which is, you know, $4,000. When one of the big machines crashes and breaks, it usually costs like ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 to fix it. So just having an affordable machine there to let the, the newbies get used to using a CNC is, is one of the applications too. So yeah, all, it, it's, we have great customers. That's the other nice thing is like people call us, we love to solve problems and we get to help them, you know, take it to the next level. You know, isn't this a fun round story to your life? You know, the kind of the circle of right life type concept here. You, you obviously started out as a guy who liked to help and, and teachers, such a noble profession who want to help people explore their own boundaries and go beyond them. And here you are doing it again in a very cool, unique way. And I want to touch on something else here. You, you mentioned all these jobs that are available that we can't fill. I, I support Tech Force and RPM Foundation. They're my charities of choice here on Cars Yeah, because they help young people and older people or people wanting to change their careers find paths to do this kind of work. What's your opinion on how can we get people and specifically young people excited that these are viable, fun, active careers rather than, you know, you go to a four-year school and you get a piece of paper and some kind of thing and you go, I guess that's what I was supposed to do, but this is not much fun. How can we how can we explore this? You know, this is a subject close to my heart. Kind of thought it might be. It might be the 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 most important question of our generation, and it might it might actually like really be the thing that turns America around right now. We're facing a lot of existential and realistic challenges, right? So in general, when people think about manufacturing, they think about like hard labor. They think about like people hammering and and people. Yeah, um, the dirty jobs of Mike Rowe, you know. But, you know, I I had one, it was interesting. I had one week where I was at the Ferrari factory at the beginning of the week and in, in Italy and the Tesla factory in California at the end of the week. Boy, those are two very different extremes. You couldn't have two different ways of making things, right? right? So at the Ferrari factory, everybody's carrying around, like in a lab coat, carrying around a Makita handle assembling 7,000 cars a year. And at Tesla, it's all robotics engineers scratching their head about why the robots aren't doing exactly what they want them to do. And I think the the, the sort of, um, the future of manufacturing, We ha- I think in, some, in many ways, I'm going to put it back on you, Mark, that it, it might be your most important job because we have to tell the stories of people who make things in manufacturing and wind people up and get them excited. And the only way they're going to know about the opportunities is that people tell stories about the industry. Yeah, so, yeah. I think that's the number one thing is just that people have to know about the opportunities in the and 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 have and be inspired, right? Right. You know, you touched on something it's close to my heart as well and I'm really happy that you said it that way because when I started this whole thing, I came from a whole different type of running a business and developing and manufacturing products and so forth to trying to inspire people and there, and one of the main reasons I did this was a friend of mine back in the day, would come over Thursday nights when I would have what's called Boys Night Out in a company I used to be a part of. And I would have them bring their cars in and we were testing products and let people touch things, car care products, tools, and work on stuff. And I kind of sit back and look at what they were doing and learn. And one of my, who became a great friend, uh, buddies, was Bill. He was a neurosurgeon. 
pediatric neurosurgeon. Guy's mm. a genius. Saves people's lives. Works on babies' brains. I mean, just incredible. And he said to me one night, he said, God, I wish I could do what you do for a living. And I looked at him <laughs> and I went, what? You're like, you know, how important you are. And he goes, ah, I'm, I'm just kind of a mechanic. You know, I, they, I'm they, a skull cracker. They go in, they open up someone's head or their neck or their back, and I fix it. They button it up, and they go on with their lives, and hopefully I've helped improve them. And I've never forgotten that. I've told this story over and over again for decades. And uh, when I started this, I thought, how can I inspire other people who wish they were having fun like Bree and I are? partially in the automotive world. I'm deep in the automotive world, but you are too. And show them that there's these all these opportunities versus all my friends who were very successful in their careers, but didn't like them. They were living for the weekend or for retirement or for when they could go play with their cars, but they had these you know, careers as architects and lawyers and well, I won't say an architect because that's a little different. My dad was one, but lawyers and financial guys, but they and they made great money, but they just didn't like what they were doing. So I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, it's showing and hopefully there's some ears out there right now listening to the show going, wait a minute, you mean I can do that for a living and I can make a decent living? I can make things, create things that go to other things? Wow. So yeah, that's part of our job, right? Yeah, I, I have a friend who's um, who's at Boeing, and he has access to all the like retirement data there. And basically, it's really important in your fifties to change if you're not super happy with your career to change your career. Because no if you kidding. stay in an unhappy career through to retirement, the the data shows that you promptly die thereafter. Yeah. So like the thing to do is actually in your fifties, stop whatever it is you're doing, assess your life. Go through your midlife crisis, buy a great car, yeah. <laughs> and find something to do that's a little that's that's a little that's close to your heart that will that will that it, and it will literally keep you alive longer. Isn't that interesting? So wow, it's, wow! It, it's not just the next generation. It's sorry, I'm, I, we're right next to the uh, <laughs> the train, train. Track, so the, the train, the train's right here. Makes for a nice ambiance. <laughs> <laughs> so it's important. Like I'm, I'm also looking for not just the next generation to hire, but I, I think there's a, I, 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 I want to. I'm I'm on the lookout for folks in their fifties who are who are looking to to get their hands dirty, right? This is cool. and, and make stuff. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. You know, I, I always say what I'm doing here is like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. I never know what I'm gonna get, but I'm always surprised and it always tastes pretty good. So I'm really appreciative you said that. We're gonna take a short break. We come back. I'm gonna talk a little bit about mentorship and also about challenges and cars, of course. So sit tight and we'll be right back right. as the train rolls through. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars, yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or Type in Renew 12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to linkagemag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. 
Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. We all count on skilled auto technicians to ensure that our families and ourselves are safe on the road. That an airplane will get me safely to my destination. That trucks are moving the stock to shelves of essential parts and things that we need. That's why TechForce Foundation's slogan is so appropriate. When techs rock, America rolls. I love that. TechForce is a charity of cars, yeah. And like all charities... They need our support. If you love cars and can relate to the young person's desire to turn their passion into a career, go to techforce.org today and donate or become a volunteer. That's techforce.org. Okay, so let's talk about mentorship, inspirations, influencers. You're one of those. For a lot of people, no doubt you have been. Has there been somebody in your life that really helped you along your way? You know, there's a few, I, you know, I sort of always wished I could find my like Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And there've definitely been lots of people in my life who've been helpful, but I, I never had like one mentor. So it's sort of mixed. I sort of spread that around a lot of people. I did have a very early experience where, um, I went to go stay with my Aunt Meredith, and she at the time was married to a guy named Joe. And Joe had a job, and this so this is like 1980, or like 1979, right? And his job, he had like a, uh, he had a, a, a Toyota pickup truck, and he would go, he knew all the trash routes in Boston. And we, he would, I would wake up at five in the morning, and I'd drive around with him, and we'd go pick up trash and then fix it up and sell it at the flea market at the, on, the, on the weekend. And I was there for like a month. So we did this routine, right? And while we were doing that, we, put together, we, we found a bunch of bike parts and made a bicycle. And there's this feeling that I think is really important that you get when you, and to identify when you fix something or you make something. And it, it is like, it's not like physical, actual drugs. It's like the happy drugs that happen from achievement and satisfaction, right? Like the chemical, it's like a real feeling of pride and 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 power because that bike wasn't just a bicycle to me. It was like some, like I had, I could fix it, which is a whole nother, like, like, and when I was eight or nine, like, that's like, I had a, I had like a monkey wrench and some, some, uh, like an adjustable wrench and some screwdrivers. And I was like, I can handle this bike. If it breaks, I'll fix it. <laughs> what a and cool story. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, and then in terms of being a mentor for other folks, I've done some of that. I, I, I'm in my network, you know, I think I was one of the, the first folks to have some success as an entrepreneur. And so when my, when the folks I know in my network, um, like go through challenges, I'm, I'm on the like camp counselor side of that. And then I think another thing that I did that was super powerful was I worked with a group called Defy Ventures that go, that does entrepreneurial mentorship in the prison system. And so I've spent some time in the prison system mentoring guys who've done who've had bad days to put it like who've, who've had their worst days and been and um and that was really awesome because you know so in, in our prison system there's so much shame that's put on to folks for something that they did that's often something that's a a lot of these folks grew up without parental parental figures are you know lots of situational stuff that's like even the best folks would have ended up poorly in these situations and they're going to get out soon and our society just does not want to wants to pretend they don't exist. So we would mentor them, and part of it was just get it get it going through the speech of being like, "Hi, my name is Joe. I love trucks. 
I've had, you know, I've, I've, I, I, I got in trouble. I've paid my dues. And all I want to do is either work on trucks, drive trucks, fix trucks, whatever it is, I want to do stuff with trucks so I can support my family, right? So being able to own the, their experience and mentor them to be able to then go out and be and, and get what they want was super powerful. And, and also just like, it's such a problem in our, like it's a sort of an unknown, it's not the biggest, our prison system is not the biggest problem that it's visible to people because it's they're you know literally in locked way. away. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's probably one of the bigger challenges of our society is how to reintroduce people after that and keep people from going in. Man, that must have been very rewarding. <laughs> I can only imagine. Well, let's talk about a challenge that you faced. Now, building that prior business to such size must have been fraught with challenges. But is there one in particular you can share that taught you an incredibly valuable lesson? Hmm. I mean. It's interesting. The biggest challenges I think are actually happening right now. So I had, so I had, I had every challenge with MakerBot from, and, and I think a lot of them were, were primarily just finding the right people to work with and hiring, <laughs> okay. hiring talented people and get, letting them do their work. Yep. The, the challenges of today are, are pretty intimidating. The, we've got a couple things going on. Like starting in the eighties, we started shipping manufacturing overseas and we're not, you know, we've been in a trade war with China for now, like years where when you, you know, like, and, and, mo and because of that, like Bantam tools, machines are almost entirely made in the, the, the States, the electronics, the, nice. the, the aluminum parts, the bent steel parts, all that stuff. There's a few things that we buy from Asia and one of them's motors. Cause they're just not made anywhere else. And when we buy them, we have to pay a 25% tax that goes to the U S government to, um, to make that happen and it's getting harder like we had motors on a ship and we saw it sitting outside of rhode island on a boat like we could track where the box was oh gosh yeah and the it was pandemic. just sitting there for like three months and yeah these these kind of holdups are still ha are still happening and with what's happening with what could happen in taiwan where taiwan makes all all the you know silicon chips in the world for the most like almost all of them like I don't it know, is frightening 99.9 percent .9 and <laughs> yeah. between what's happening in the ukraine and what's uh, what's what's what i'm worried about happening in taiwan the likelihood of sort of pressure going up means that like we're gonna have to like i'm gonna either need to start making motors or if i can't get them made by a supplier or i'm gonna have to find a supplier who who is local. So I think the, the, the sort of existential challenges of sort of a post-globalist world with all the tensions going on are probably like the biggest, that's my biggest challenge right now is getting stuff, even just bent steel parts that are here. Like there's just right. the, every, when everybody shifted for, you know, when the toilet paper problem that everybody had at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. where everybody, you know, people used to just buy toilet paper when they needed it. But then right. all of a sudden they were like, well, I might not be able to get it. I better buy a year's worth of it. And then as, the next person was like, there's no toilet paper left in the store that same problem is happening with bent steel with you know with uh with with just aluminum raw aluminum um, material all that kind of this stuff is just g gumming up the work of being able to manufacture things so i'd say like that's probably the biggest challenge right now oh my gosh i've heard this over and over i mean you, you look at the what happened down i think it was the panama canal where one ship got stuck sideways for a few weeks and it backed things up for like nine months <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just it you really start to people don't think about this, but where all these things come from, 
and how quickly. I mean, you shut down a world economy like they did during the pandemic for a yeah. period of time and the backlog it created and the challenges we're going to see for years from that. People just don't, they don't realize. I mean, just go to the grocery store and go, how come I can't find blueberries anymore? Well, something happened yeah. in Guatemala and there was a flood and they can't be grown right now and they can't grow them here because, I mean, yeah, it's... <laughs> We could talk for that on that issue for days and never solve the problem, but it it's a realization that people have to wake up to and, and things have to change. I faced it in the business I was in, trying to make something as simple as a random orbital here in the US. Couldn't yeah. do it. Could not do it. And was stuck having to buy it in China and it created all sorts of challenges. So yeah. Nicely said, if only we could snap our fingers and make things better. I think we can. Well, well, people like you, I think you can for sure. Definitely. And I like the way you're thinking. And we need to do that. Uh, absolutely. I see little signs of it here and there. But let's talk about something that we can have some fun with here, at least for, talk about for now in cars. <laughs> and I know you've had a very eclectic background with your cars. You have some very unique cars. But I want you to talk about one of your very special vehicles and a story about that ride. Whew, so, I've, so I've had a lot of cars. And part of that was that I just couldn't afford to have a nice car. So I would buy $500 cars until it was going to cost more than $500 to fix them. <laughs> okay. And then I'd get a new $500 car, right? Now, I got to ask you this. Is, is that the formula? Because I tend to buy cars. I've always bought cars new and kept them a long time. We have an 18-year-old BMW X5. This is my wife's car. Still looks brand new, but it's been an awesome car. And a 17-year-old BMW M3. I just sold a 35-year-old car that I'd had for 13 years. But I, I've always, what is that formula of when you got to let it go? Is yours when it costs as much as it costs <laughs> you to buy it? <laughs> I mean, I'm sort of, I'm, uh, this is, so this is, this was my like car buying strategy from like 1995 to like 2010, right? Which, okay. which was when I was a primary, when I was a puppeteer and a school teacher. And so I just couldn't afford to, I, if I could have bought a new car, great. I mean, I think at the end of that time, I bought what I thought would be a reliable car and I bought a $5,000 car and it was a 1963 Volvo 544 and had a, had a one point, it had an upgraded engine from the 1.6 to the 1.8 liter and it had dual Weber carbs, it had all the IPD accessories. So it had sway bars on it and the whole nine yards. And it was so fun. And I, I thought like, okay, I'm buying a like I was like, I'm upgrading from a $500 car to like a $5,000 car. And I didn't really, maybe I should have bought, uh, my next car after that was a uh, like a $5,000 Honda, just a Honda Accord. And that was actually like a legitimate, reliable standard car that never broke. But yeah. the, Vol the Volvo was probably one of the more fun cars I've ever owned just because it was it, dual Weber carbs. You know, that thing is just gargling <laughs> gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, fun, fun. Well, it's the great thing about cars, you know, and, and you've had a lot of unique ones. Well, you know, I'm going to have a little fun with you today. I'm going to be your car psychologist. Car psychologist. If I uh, crawled into your skull here, if you were reincarnated, pun intended, manifest as a vehicle, what would you be and why? Hmm. <laughs> this one always stumps everybody. Yeah, this is a good one. So I've got a, I think there's a couple aspects of my personality that, I, I, so I think I've got like a multiple personality car to, you know, cars. Okay. And so, <laughs> Part of me wants the car that doesn't exist yet, right? So, like, I've, I, like, I want the Cybertruck. Okay. I don't know if I need the Cybertruck, but 
I want, you know, I, I, you know, I, I had a DeLorean. I love that folded paper origami style design. <laughs> Delor- so now there's another unique one, a DeLorean. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I'd have, I'd put the the Cybertruck on there, and even though it doesn't really properly exist yet, and then. I really like cars that you can work on. So, like, I might put something, some car from the 60s with a V8 in there. So, I don't know. Pontiac GTO or okay. uh, a Mustang or something stand, yeah. I know, something relatively standard that where, where there's enough room in the engine bay, you can basically climb in with the engine. Oh, sure. Yeah, I had a 66 Fastback Mustang that had been built into, oh, a, yeah. into a GT350 Shelby clone and had that wonderful V8 in it. And it's just, oh, man, talk about gargling gasoline. But, <laughs> but the thing just sounded like a perfect, powerful sewing machine. Yeah. It's, all those lifters and everything, just it just sounded so good and so throaty. And, ah, uh, yeah, that was a fun one to ride. But, no, you're not the first Frankenstein here. Uh, but that's a unique <laughs> that's a unique combination, uh, Cybertruck and a '60s GT. Yeah, that's old and new world. So uh, yeah, we'll see if uh, old uh, Elon can get that Cybertruck finally out there because there sure seemed to be a lot of interest in it, uh, despite it being uh, well, like he is and like you are, a major disruptor. So I love disruptors. Yeah, they, they make make the world go around. So how about a great book? We love books here. Is there a great book that you've read you'd like to share? You know, the book that's really haunting me right now is a book um, by Octavia Butler called Parable of the Sower. She wrote it in the early 90s, and it looks to a future where, uh, and it's, it's definitely like I read it during the pandemic, and I was like, oh, man, like she sort of called some things here. And it's an intense book. I wouldn't recommend it for the faint of heart, but Octavia Butler, Parable of the Sower is a is some good, good stuff like okay. modern, like science fiction in 1990s that we're sort of living through right now. Yeah. Well, cool. No one's ever recommended that book. So pretty impressive considering I've got a place on my website called Guest Recommended Books where there's over 2,500 books listed there. Uh, oh, so, awesome. So I will add that. Yeah, we love books here. Now, how about if I enable you to go on the ultimate drive? I'm going to buy you any car in the world. Even a car that maybe doesn't exist. So if you want that uh, Cybertruck, I'll park it in your driveway. You can take it (laughs) on a road trip and you can take anyone you would love to take on this trip, including somebody from the past that's no longer with us, which opens up a wide variety of opportunities. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? You know, there are these like, there's like Dakar races and then there's the, the, the Peking to Paris race. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I'd, I'd probably want to go on some sort of like, uh, you know, grand tour kind of a thing where ideally I would go with a bunch of friends and ideally we would have enough, you know, we, we'd bring enough tools to keep all the cars going. Right. Yeah, yeah. And we would do some sort of, I would, I would, you know, now that I'm saying that I want this, I actually need to like organize this. So um, I'm not very good at like fantasizing without making plans. Okay. Um, but I think some sort of a, a adventure um, that does, isn't necessarily about how fast we get there, but that we overcome obstacles and have a lot of fun yeah. would be the way to do it. Sounds cool. That's another unique answer <laughs> to that question Yeah, because you've included a whole bunch of friends and something kind of wild and fun. The Peking to Paris, I've had several guests on the show who've actually run that in old classic cars, even cars from the teens and 20s, which makes it yeah incredible to do yeah i think that's pretty pretty cool is there a type of vehicle you kind of i mean would it be an old car of some kind or so i think if i had to pick my car to go on a crazy adventure on i'd pick something that was like you know i like this sort of gambler 500 aesthetic of taking anything you know 
any piece of garbage and putting big tires on it and going through across challenging obstacles. You know, I'd probably take my 928 and I'd put bigger tires on it. I'd put a different suspension system on it. I'd put a bunch of, I'd cover the thing in lights and throw a, uh, a roof rack on it and 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 cause some trouble. You know, there's some guys that have been, in fact, i got a friend who's having one built right now, and I've had a few on my show that take old 911s, Porsche 911s, they build safari cars out of them. Now, you go back to the 959, that car was built for the you know the Dakar race. Yeah. And so Porsches can do that kind of thing. They've got to beef them up and stuff, of course. But a 928, I'm, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a 928 safari, but that would be cool. You've got all that power, that V8 in there, <laughs> you know, and comfort, you know, and but the car is small and and agile. I like it. I, I mean, the, the the four-wheel drive 911s, that would be that would be fun too. Yeah, um, no kidding. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, I, I wouldn't turn that down. At the recent, uh, just happened a couple weeks ago, Luftacult uh, that took place this year in California that uh, Patrick Long and his buddy do. Uh, some of the cars on display there were Porsche Safari builds uh, that are pretty, I mean, things are like quarter million dollar plus type builds uh, that are pretty cool. So uh uh, but, you know, you can have some fun. You could do something like this in your garage and build one yourself, right? I mean, I think that's the, the beauty of the 928 that, that I would build would be like my, my 928 was not expensive. 928s are still the like the the weird Porsches that are they're probably like, they're just, you know, it was not expensive and it still has phone dial wheels. And, uh, you know, I bought one that didn't have a ton of miles on it, but it, it was like a good 10 footer. And and so. I would, I would be like, if I had a proper like 250k Safari Porsche, I would not be out there, you know, beating it up, thrashing, beating (laughs) the crap out of it. Yeah. But I think if I were to put a bunch of light bars on the 928, (laughs) I could have, you know, it wouldn't be four wheel drive, but I think it could be a fun, a fun zipper, a fun absurd car. I think so. It sounds like fun. Well, you've taken us on a really fun trip today, a journey, if you will, Bree, and this has been a delight. I'm so glad that we connected. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to your buddy, Jennifer Howard, a PR company that connected us. I'm so glad that she enabled us to talk today because like I said, many times I don't quite know when I look at somebody's company, I go, would they be a good fit for cars? Yeah. And then I always say, are they a car guy or a car gal? Oh yeah, uh, definitely is. So this has been fun. I wonder if you could leave us with a a word of inspiration, a success quote, or a mantra of some kind. You know, I think the sort of the the thing that I try and not do is give advice. So I think in general, I yeah, the the most exciting things happen is when, is when people like decide, like feel it in their heart and do what comes from them, and they don't take advice, and they 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 they, they, they either, and it might just be that you know. I think it's most exciting when people just plant seeds of something they love and then give it a little water every day, right? So I don't know what that is, but I think like that to me is the most exciting thing. Yeah. Well, I kind of goes with your whole vibe. You know, I probably should have said it earlier too, because it's the the two go hand in hand and it's sort of obvious, but like our um I have we have a bunch of users at Bantam Tools Machines who are making like car parts. So like we have a user who has a Miata and Miata users are just they they are their own version of insanity. Like there's so <laughs> many ways to customize them. Oh yeah. And so uh, like we've got a user who's doing that. We've got, you know, I've got a whole list of things to fix on the 928 like just to little bits and bobs. 
And and so I think there's something there. I want to. We're going to SEMA at, in. Um, we're going to have a booth at SEMA, oh, which is the right? big yeah. car show. Oh, yeah, in, I've been I've been Las over Vegas. thirty times to SEMA. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! I've walked many halls there and worn out many pairs of socks and shoes. We, you know, I I, I I've, I've been there a bunch, and every time I'm there, I try and go to the the pinball museum hall of fame because they have <laughs> the best pinball place ever. It's so great, and um, but I'm I'm excited. I've never been to SEMA, so oh, I'm looking forward to going there. Well, I feel like I'm going to be a kid in a candy store. It's, uh, it'll blow you away. It's gotten massive, huge. Uh, many of my guests are SEMA attendees. Many are even had uh, past SEMA directors on the show here. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so you're going to have some fun. It's a, it's a candy store of all sorts of unique things. Not only the businesses, but the unique builds that they bring in and they show off. You got to, obviously, if you're, are you going to be displaying there so you'll have a booth and everything? Yeah, we'll have a booth. People are going to come up to us and be like, "Can you make this now?" <laughs> yeah, so I'm well, really yeah. curious what the nerds there. It, are it'll want be us to make. you'll have fun and uh, stay all week, and you can see the SEMA Battle of the Builders and see the winning cars at the end of the week. It's it's a blast. So uh, you're going to have a lot of fun. How can people learn more about Bantam Tools? You know, the, probably the easiest way is just go to bantamtools.com. We're also on all the socials, so at Bantam Tools on Twitter and Instagram and, and all those places, and then. For your podcast listeners, we've got a podcast that we've got two seasons of the podcast where we talk to innovators. They might get a kick out. Your listeners might get a kick out of that. And that can be found on your website? Yep. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, Bree, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing quite innovative, wonderful life you've created for yourself. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you. Now, I typically see I'll see you down the road, but I'll see you at the SEMA show. Great. I'll see you there. Excellent. <laughs> That'll be thanks fun. Thanks for having me on the show. Good stuff. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.